really is amazing. Stuff that you don't even know is there. The Lord just like goes. So the Lord was just uh, showing me this. I heard this recently. It's too good to be my own. So, but I heard this recently. And I just want to, I want to start with this. When you're in a crowd, you can always pick out the voice that you love and the people that you're closest to easily, right? If you're in a crowd, you see what happens with parents all the time. They can tell when their baby's crying. You can hear your mom's voice over anybody's voice, period, right? Because it's the person you love. It's the person you're close to. And so let's just make this night to where we can hear the voice of the one we love most. Just be tentative. It might not even be something that's said, but it might be something that he's saying. It might be a note that he says. So, Father, we invite you. You have permission to do whatever you want to do. us, Lord. You have permission to wreck us, to build us, whatever you want to do. We invite you. Amen. Amen. Well, borrowed this guitar because I managed to break a string without playing it on my other one, so. sign From a baby's first cry to the memory of life, who can say how much time? From a young boy's indifference to a penitent life, who can say how much time? Only one. From a middle-aged ambition to a surrendered end, who can say how much time I've been fighting for a freedom from all my past regrets, and I've been crying over losses when I should just forget, and I'm learning.
Focusing on my mistakes is like chasing the wind. Who can say how much time? Overcoming pain, well, that's just trusting again. Who can say how much time? Living for revenge, that's like holding your breath. Finishing what you've started, that's the highest price yet. But if I fail to live my dream, I could live to regret. Who can say how much time I've been fighting for? I'm learning to enter into God's rest Cause there's a generation waiting for the love I didn't give There are young ones coming home from the fight Who can say how much time From dreams of being heroes to the soul's dark night Who can say how much time The cross won't set you free until you Serve him with your life. The word is just foolishness. Do you sacrifice your time? Will the fathers rise up? Stand for what is right. Who can say? How much time? No more fighting for a freedom from all my past regrets. No more crying over losses when I should just forget. And I'm learning to give for more than I get. Cause there's a generation waiting to enter God's rest. okay I had it in my head to sing that song I don't know why sometimes you just do stuff uh, wise or not but <clears throat> how many of you guys feel that way when you're having worship or leading worship you feel like just doing what you're impressed to do anybody yep. so how's it work perfect every time right <laughs> Just 
Um, I went to the doctor the other day, and he burned the side of my face off, so I look really attractive, sorry. And uh, <clears throat> it's part of getting old. When you get older, you have to start burning your face off because you're not... Something's not right about your life until you're doing that. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I need to burn that off. Why? <laughs> because you're old, and that's a spot I don't like, you know. <laughs> Gee, thank you so much. What else would you like to cut a hole in? He said, oh, I'm going to cut a hole right there. So that was that. So <clears throat> anyway, whoops. <laughs> I don't want to bust that. This is really nice. It's a regular music stand, you know. Sorry. Our regular music stands are hard to find, I know. Um, how are you guys since I saw you last? You're all amazingly well? Ooh, that's cool. Um, and you're well because? Everybody's, God is good. That's, that is, that's pretty good about that, isn't he? Anybody? Spend a lot more time waiting on God than you did since I saw you last? Anybody find that to be a good thing? Anybody still finding God more difficult to follow than you thought? He's a rough character to follow. He, um, a good bit, he's pretty crazy because he walks right into trouble. <laughs> hey, come with me. Are you <laughs> And so, and there's an awful lot of that starting to happen. I think you probably are all very aware of that. So um, most of what we are all looking at is, as musicians, um, how many worship, actual worship leaders are in your gang here? So you have several. Oh, my, that's great. That's great. That's great. That's unusual. Little guy in the back raises his hand. I like it. You're looking at it. You're learning how to be in church, buddy. That's good. Just raise your hand for everything. <laughs> we had some friend that was trying to be, you know, cooperative in the church thing, and um, he th heard talking about salvation and stuff, and he was going to raise his hand and come forward. He was hearing the, you know, he was pretty much convinced he was going to do that. But the guy kept right on talking, and so he's now, he's not paying attention anymore, and so finally by the time he starts walking forward, the call was, if anybody here is gay and wants to repent of such a sin, and he's walking down the aisle ready to repent, and anyway, <clears throat> thought it was a salvation call, never, never mind, it was, it was funny to him. Um, how many think our nation is about to uh, tip over? Anybody figuring that, hearing that? Think it needs a good tipping? We need a shaking. There's no question about that. And this will definitely do it. Something I, I recognized, I say recognized. Being musicians, and I know that most of you are musicians, I'm sure. Um, we can perfect our shape-shifting pretty good. Because we need to know the temperature of people. You need to know what's going on. You don't sing rock and roll. In a jazz club, you know what I mean? You just you figure out how to do things based on where you are, right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And so you learn how to kind of do that as a, we call it shape-shifting. It's kind of a joke of just, it's a nice way of calling yourself a man-pleaser, um, which was not very pleasing to God. Funny how pleasing man does not please God. Isn't that the funniest thing in the world? 
Uh, you may have not thought so. One time I went to God and, and he boldly said, you think pleasing godly men pleases me? And I said, yeah, I think I do. I think that's exactly what I think. Why isn't that a good idea? He said, because you will endlessly strive to please man without ever seeking to please me if you succeed at it. So therefore, any of you guys who have been pretty good man pleasers and have lost your skill or your technique, anybody felt like you've kind of lost your technique on how to do that? Anybody? No. You guys... We're losing our, first of all, we're losing our technique on how to be churchy. Have you, have you found that? You know that, hey, brother, how's it going? I hate you, but it's a good day to be with you, you know. We're kind of losing that. That's falling in the trash, too. And the reason I'm telling it to you, because it actually gets led by song first. Isn't that interesting? Song kind of leads that freedom for what's coming next. Does that sound scary to you, or does that sound encouraging. Don't talk at once. It's all right. It should be encouraging. Um, well, there's a lot more to this, and we'll, I'll get into this um, as I stumble along. Um, how many understand the importance of the prophetic in, in praise? One, two, three, four. Okay, that's good. And the rest of you guys do not. Am I correct? You do not understand the prophetic or the purpose of it. Can you? Is it okay to? It's okay to ask questions, as long as it's okay for me to ask you questions. Is that all right? Yay, nay. All right, boys and girls, y'all better start responding quickly. Or I'll start giving you. So. In our economy as a people, as people, do we, we, and, and here's what I want to get at, and I'll try to get that as the best I can because my iPad quit working. Guitar broke and the iPad quit. Hmm. So, it's immediately, so I'm not totally stunned by that idea. But what would happen if suddenly the Lord began to download upon you the prophetic purpose of what's coming in the next month or the next year? What if he started to do that to you? Would you feel like that is, you'd probably feel like me. Bad idea. Find somebody smarter, for starters. Find somebody who's not a musician who has zero credibility on the planet. Uh, find someone who actually does have a bank account. You know what I mean? And can count. <laughs> Two. You know what I'm saying? I would have picked thousands of people smarter than than me. Am I correct? But then Bob picked Bob Jones. God picked Bob Jones. Bob didn't pick God. Um, and Bob is the simplest character in the world. He, was a, he used to work on trees. He was a tree surgeon. He was from Kansas City. Just very simple guy. Walking down the road one day, fishing, going fishing. And a light comes out of the sky and goes, and smokes Bob right there on the spot. Bob is a young man. That's the end of it. Guess what? Bob wasn't going to be anymore, and that's the tree surgeon. But now he's going to prophesy the will and the ways of God. Well, okay, I'll do that. No problem. Except Satan killed him in the first, I forgot how many years, about 10 years into his ministry, Satan kills him. Okay, that's good. It's dangerous following God. Has anybody figured that out yet? Uh, he warned him because he was prophesying against homosexuality and abortion. He was prophesying strongly against it. So, 
Am I making sense so far? Am I meandering too much? I'll, I'll land pretty soon, don't worry. Um, and he, the enemy comes to him and visits him at night. There's another problem with being prophetic. Weird people will come and visit you in the night and stand at the foot of your bed. You can attest to that. They might be really good. They might not be really, really good. You're going to have to find that out somewhere in the night. Won't that be fun? Okay, good angel, bad angel. Which one of you guys? You say, you can feel, trust me, you can feel when they're bad. Uh, you'll know it right away. When you're confused and you can't tell, most likely it's God. Does that make any sense? All right, just, just checking with you. Um, so what winds up happening is that once you start to agree to this prophetic thing, which will kind of jump on your head, how many feel very upset about injustice? Does anybody get funny about that? Does that make you mad, kind of red-faced, when you start to really see something that's, that's not, that carries no justice at all in it? Does anybody sense that or feel that? First signs of the prophetic. They have little to zero tolerance over injustice. Isn't that funny? not funny, but it's a part of who that is. Now, everybody really in whatever form should be able to prophesy. Am I making sense to you? It's not about that. Uh, but what I want to get at it is there are times that God begins, and I spoke to you the last time I was here, about the minstrel of the night, a minstrel with a message. And that's what you're, you begin to carry this message. Now, we need to separate the concepts just for a second, if, I can, if you can handle that. This is what, we, what we're going to call church, okay? Pretty good. That's a good title for it, church. Good. Uh, and what happens in the church is a different thing than what happens in everyday life prophetically. This should be everyday life, but in fact, it gets into a place that it's not anymore. It kind of gets into the unreal life so that we, as musicians, kind of live in the unreal life to play to it. Am I correct? Are you hearing this? Hurt your feelings yet? I, I'll get there. I will. It's, <laughs> it's important to, hurt, to upset people. What happens to us in this is because we do want God, but we just don't want him a lot. You see what I mean? Because he's a problem. God is a problem because you will come under conviction the second you get really close to him. And you cannot help yourself, trust me. If you think you can hold out, don't worry about this, God, this thing I got behind my back. He is right there, and he is exposing everything. And if you can't stand that, then you're not going to wind up liking this gig. Does that make sense? And because Malachi 3, he's going to expose this first before he exposes this. Before the people get on fire, the stage will be on fire. <laughs> I was talking with you. Uh, there's not a thing you can do to stop that because you've agreed to stand between him and his people. So, because that isn't, you, it's not a choice. We keep thinking the free choice thing, that is not quite a perfect sermon. Do you see what I mean? It's a good one, but it's not quite perfect, because you do have the free choice a little bit. But in reality, when God is done with what you're doing or what has been prayed over you enough, you're toast. You're coming to salvation. You got a praying grandmother who never let go of the throne. He does not care what you're thinking. You're coming with him. I've heard this woman enough. 
Come with me. And that's, that's exactly how I got saved. My grandmother played 30 years, and God said, I've heard enough. Duh. Anybody praying for somebody? You do it. Do it long enough. You'll bum God out, and he will make them do exactly what you're praying. Now, that may seem like control. It is that. It's exactly what it is. But lots of the times we don't even understand we need a slap upside the head from the king of the universe. Has anybody discovered that God is not nice? I've said this to you before. And if you think he is, that's a, it's a real mistake to go down that road. It's a mistake because it's nice has injustice in it, nice has lying, nice has all kinds of things that we do, but he doesn't. So this... Um, I want to get, and something that we are now facing, whether we think we are or not, is the consequences of what God forbid us to be involved with. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? We were forbidden a very long time ago to enter into the knowledge of good and evil. Forbidden. And there was never a scripture that I ever read that said, oh, the good and evil thing, don't worry about it. You know, you can know it now, that it's cool now. That was never, I've never seen a scripture that said it's cool to know good and evil. How many people know good and know evil right now? Every one of us. We feel to ourselves it's important to understand good and evil so that I don't what? So that I don't do evil. Why? So that I can get as close to the edge of good as possible and still be considered good and live as close to evil as I possibly can. That's the problem. Because you can go to hell doing good all of your life based on your knowledge of it rather than your love for God. Does that hurt your feelings? Hurt mine. You love me, you'll obey me. End of the sentence. You don't love me, you can't. Yeah, but I'm doing all your will. You can't obey me if you don't love me. And you do not love God until you know him. And you don't know him until you spend time with him. And you don't spend time with him until you actually do. Is it boring? Lots of times. Yes, incredibly dull. Pass out, go to sleep time. Oh boy, I love this waiting on God stuff. Find something that is of interest to you, like play the guitar, play whatever, sing a song while you're waiting. Don't just sit there like we think waiting on God really is. It isn't. That's not waiting on God. That's being bored. And that's telling God, you big, boring monster in the sky that insists on me sitting here hating every moment of it. Is that what you think the king of the universe would like you to do? Does anybody feel that way? How many struggle with waiting on God? It's not against the law. How many struggle reading the word? Hey, welcome to the world. I mean, that's what we're all struggling with. How many study the word of God real regularly? How many have a very difficult time studying the word of God? It's not a, it's not a crime to not be able to, to find things, to study things, to look for things. Until the Lord pricks your interest, I have a horrendous memory, but I can give you every detail of old cars, 
and motorcycles. I can tell you how fast they can go. I can tell you what the quarter mile is. I can tell you the colors of that particular year. How, how in the world is the memory going to work that well when I can't remember somebody's name I met an hour ago? Do you know what I'm saying? Because I'm interested in that. And so what the Lord is saying, why are you not interested, with the question, in studying my word or waiting on God? Just that one there. Why are you not interested in that? And I'm, my answer was, because that's boring and I don't like to do that. Anyone? It's difficult. Am I supposed to like God? Anybody? Get your arms around him sometime. You, you hug this building a lot faster. Uh, how do you embrace someone of this incredible magnitude until it's broken down into small, small pieces, tiny, tiny pieces? Thus, we have Paul, who said a fascinating thing in Scripture. He said it in Philippians. Be a follower of me, he said, as I am an end sample of Christ and place your mark on those like this. Funny word, end sample. I've told you about this before. We as musicians, a lot of us have an idea of what a sample is. We know that's a synthesizer sample of another instrument under here. <laughs> there it is. And we just hit one note and we've got an actual sample of that note. And but an end sample is that with which, like a rock, if you drop a rock on the ground in the dirt, it dents the dirt at the shape of the rock. That's called Paul said, I am dented by the shape of Christ, therefore you can follow me and set your mark on those who are like that. So we look for dented people, for starters, to give us encouragement on how to follow God because sure enough, the rock fell on them. And that's the problem with ministry. Living in everyday life as a kind of a B-flat person's fine, but the moment you start moving into ministry, you're no longer going to fall over the rock. The rock's going to fall on you. Making sense so far? That means at some point the rock will fall on you and crush you pretty good because he, he says in his beautiful word, I'm a high and holy God and I dwell on a high and holy place with those with a broken and contrite heart that I might revive them. He's not trying to fix your broken heart. He will not stop the brokenness in your life, but he will revive you. That's a real great word. And then he says, I know your sins. I know where you've fallen, and I will restore comfort to my people. Those two words translate, I will bring a repentance, or I will bring a sorry is the correct term. I'll bring a sorry in your life that's favorable to you. Pretty fascinating, isn't it? Favorable, sorry. Anyway, is that too weird? Or just are you all right with it? It's it's cool to ask questions, especially if you do not understand something. Anybody? Favorable. Uh, the words restore comfort is the first word is restore, and that in in Hebrew means um, repentance. And then it basically means to bring you to a place of repentance. And then comfort means to, to do this favorably. In other words, the sorry that comes from repenting. In other words, you know, that's a, that's a kind of a, I mean, how many times just we think about it in this in our lives? Uh, one time I was asking God, what does that repentance really, really mean? 
Has anybody ever asked questions to God like that? Start asking God questions. Be ready for answers, so be careful. Because uh, you're responsible. The second you hear the answer, then you're responsible for what you heard, by the way. Just so you can hear that. Um, he, I said, well, you know, what does that mean? What is what, you know, what do you, I know it means turn. Okay, turn. Okay, turn from. Okay, turn from my evil ways. Okay, I've turned from my evil ways. What's changed? And he said, it's the moment a repentant per- person's fear has been triggered and they repent from fear. When fear subsides, they go back to their sin. But if you feel sorry that you've done this, not repentant out of fear. Do you understand? We repent generally from fear of loss or our favorite, fear of going to hell. That's one of my favorites. That works pretty good. Gotta go to hell, everybody. And, you know, once we start screaming that and we scream it enough times, we create a fear that I will repent because I don't want to go to hell. Well, that fear will subside. It will go away, and you'll be right back at your program again, whatever that may be. So when I come to a place of being broken and I feel sorry internally, it increases its amount of repented power, repentive power. So he said, I'm restoring this to my people. I'm bringing them to a place where their repentance will be ongoing. Does that make sense? And that you don't fall back from. Does that make sense? How many got a habit pattern that you'd like to stop? Anybody? How many know every time you make up your mind you're going to stop it, you start doing it twice as much? Anybody sign that? You increase it by there. I am not going to swear at that person ever again. And nothing can stop it. It just starts puking out of your face. Am I, am I right? And suddenly you're ten times worse. Then you go down the shame, guilt, I'm wretched, might as well shoot me kind of a thing. You know what I mean? And we got a God saying, you're fearfully, wonderfully made. I think you're great. I think you're, I think I'm trash can. What are you talking about? Do you see this issue that we're facing with God? And where it lands is on music or creative people first. Because your little pea brains can make up more weird things to do with those thinking process than an average guy. He's too busy. Average guy's way too busy. Your little creative mind's going to go off into ozone layer figuring out new ways to be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> Am I making any sense? And find new ways with which you can bring guilt upon the guilt you already feel about the guilt you're living in because you're guilty. I am guilty of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I, I know I'm talking to the right crowd. You're musicians. I know I am talking to the right crowd. And to come to that place that has been preached to us so many times, God loves you. Great. There's no possible way he can love me. Is that correct? No way he could forgive where I'm at. Correct? Anybody? No? There's where we are. There's where we fall constantly. And the enemy's like, yep, got another idiot, you know. Now, a lot of that has to do with we are not to that place in our lives that we wait for a relationship to develop. Making any sense to you? I met my wife, I met Christine in a bar. As you can about imagine, we were... Very young, I was very 
smitten just by her amazing looks and I did naturally what every young guy in a bar playing in the band does when he sees a beautiful girl. I just want to jump on her bones. Thank you. I don't want to do anything intelligent. I don't want to be nice. I just want to, ah, I want to begin to do what I want to do. Am I talking to any, it's the wrong kind of people to talk like that? You okay with that sort of talk? Um, I know you guys probably never had that experience ever in your lives. And it's never been a part of your thinking. So, so thus begins day one of called self discipline. <laughs> There's only one reason you don't do that is some kind of self-discipline, do you understand? Which should have been put in you before you ever got to the place of there she is. <laughs> do you see what I mean? Before you got there, that should have been in place. So there she is and I'll do anything it takes to win her heart, but I won't do it by jumping on her. Correct? Is that not the right way? Well, I didn't have any of that right information. So, ha, 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 you know, I said a lot of words in a sentence, and most of them were from drools and so on. So, you know, by some amazing grace of God, we managed to, to be together and get married only 45 years ago. Um, but something in the heart of things had to do some major adjustments after we got saved. We were 12 years married before we got saved. And it was lucky that we managed to survive 12 years without God. Is that making sense? But first thing we get, first thing that happened is that we got saved. Hey, this is great, man. I love this being saved business. <laughs> it's great. So God takes me out of the familiar ground that I used to live on, brings me to a place where I'm not familiar, puts me on my face, and begins to systematically show me every place I wounded my life in every way that I did it. And just bang, I'm, oh my God, bang, oh no, not this. Over and over and over, one year, solid year of repenting to her for my ways, my attitude, and my own ignorance. Understand that? The word iniquity means the twist that the son put on the sin. That's the real meaning of it. The sins of the father visited on the children, you know that one? And the father was an adulterer and a horrible man. And the son is an adulterer and a wife beater. And he twisted. That's called iniquity. And that's what it actually means. And so what happens is the centuries and the generations rather go on, we're still twisting something. We're still making it worse as it goes on. So God is saying, you know what? I'm not having that anymore. I'm breaking this generational line. I'm going to break it now. So he brought us to, I mean, he brought us, brought me to salvation right on my knees, right on my face. No other way out of it. Then took music away and just said, you can't play. And he did, he was not joking. He took my ability to play music away. It didn't exist anymore. I couldn't play a 30-second song. I couldn't put four chords together to make sense of it. And there was the end of it. So I said that to say, he will get your attention when he knows you want his. Does that make any sense? If you don't want God's attention, he won't give it to you. We're pretty nice about that. Except I would suggest 
that to be the worst possible scenario your life could ever, ever have is that you don't want God's attention on your life. Now, he's going to do all the things you don't want him to do. He's going to convict you of the things you love to do. I mean, if I love it, it's got to be a sin. Probably correct. That's probably true. Do you know what I mean? And until you don't love it, you can't do it anymore. Do you understand what I'm getting at? He's okay with that as long as you're not loving it to death. So now what we're doing is we're back to good and evil. Do you be familiar with all of that? And good and evil is a funny thing because it's moving constantly. That's why you can't make up your mind this is good and live on that. Understand? Because it's moving. As an example, uh, in a charismatic church, speaking in tongues is good. Am I correct? Uh, in a Baptist church, that is not good. Is it? In fact, it's evil. What happened? We're going to have to get into a contest. Who's right? Who's wrong? Do you understand what's happening now? Well, now we need a right and wrong because good and evil require right and wrong. And they require definition. And the definitions have been going on for centuries and centuries. There's 280, I think somebody said there's 400 and something. I've, last time I remember, there's 280 addendums to the Ten Commandments so that you could explain what it actually means. Keep the Sabbath holy. That sounds pretty simple. No, no, it's not. If a woman walks across the kitchen in, on the Sabbath day with two meals worth of food in her hand, we can stone her for that. Think about this for a second. I'm not blaming the Jews for making up rules. We've got ten times more rules than they do. And you don't... As, never mind. I told you last time we were here, there is no such thing as worship leader in the Bible. You know that, right? We made that up. And I like it. I think it's a great idea. I'm all for it. But we did make it up. So be cool about all the things that accompany it because what it's really here for, why the Lord is allowing this, is because we go to sleep for seven days and show up for two hours. God, oh yeah, God. And we're gone again. We can handle two hours of being in this kind of convicting presence. Am I correct? True? No? Yay? Are you guys okay? Does this all sound too weird for you? You can ask questions and yell and say, I hate this if you'd like. But um, Now, I was, gonna, I was talking about the prophetic and I forgot to get off. I didn't mean to get off so far. But the, what we have experienced in the past, and it's been really great. I, I like it. I, I, I like it. I've met, known a lot of them amazingly amazing prophetic people uh, over the years and didn't know anything about them at all when I first got into this. And years, I think over 20 years ago, when Rick Joyner first invited Christine and I over to his house for dinner, uh, he had Bob Jones there and Jack Deere and Bobby Connors. Paul Kane were there, a bunch of lightweights. And um, <laughs> they're discussing their experiences with raising the dead. And I'm looking at Christine and says, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're in good company now. You know, and I'm, there's nothing I can share at this table other than, can I have the salt, please? Um, that's, there's nothing for me to say in this realm. Do you understand what I'm talking about? 
because these guys were off in the ozone layer. Bobby Connors talked about being in Africa, and a witch doctor came in and literally conjured up a ball of fire and threw it at the stage. So a ball of fire is flying across the whole auditorium or wherever they were, and he had to quickly come up with a prayer to reverse it and turn it, and it turns around and goes back and chases this witch doctor out of the building and chases him for a mile down the road, a ball of fire. Okay, yeah, yeah, I want to be in ministry. Am I making any real, real sense to you? And I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm I'm not going down this road. I mean, I couldn't go down it if I went down this road. Do you see what I mean? And, you know, all I know how to do is read the hearts of the people to see what kind of song they'd like to hear. Anybody here? To see what actually works. And the Lord said, exactly. That's That's what I gave you. I gave you this as a gift so you can know the hearts of my people. Yeah, but I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be throwing balls of fire around or anything like that. And he said, I don't remember asking you to throw balls of fire <laughs> around. You see what I mean? He doesn't need a fire thrower. He's got one. Or however many he has. But he doesn't, he didn't have at that particular moment um, a, a minstrel of that age, <laughs> if you see what I mean. So in your lives, what's happening to us is that we lose track of why I wanted to know God. Because getting saved is not knowing God. Getting saved is just keeping your butt out of a fire. That's all that's doing. But that does not give you carte blanche into God. It gives you opportunity. How many here have ever seen an opportunity open up in front of you in your music world? Uh, Anybody have that? Anybody ever ever have ambition to like to see an opportunity opened up in front of you? It'd be great, wouldn't it? And in every time that I've ever been in, of course, I've been in the music business a very long time, or at least was, and, and so opportunity was all you strove for. You struggled to get an opportunity. I used to be a studio musician and work in the studio, and what you do is you work for so-and-so, and hopefully so-and-so recommends you to another so-and-so, and they call you and da 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 That's how you get jobs. And so you have to figure out a way to tell this producer without telling him how incredible it is to have a white-haired guitar player in the studio. You don't have to convince them that who you are is important to whoever needs you until you reach a point that you are needed by others. That's how you work. Am I making sense? That's what we carry right into the church. I'm here to be needed, not to meet needs but to be needed. And there's where this goes weird, right there. Because I live, have lived for years needing to be needed. Anybody? You play a song and everybody goes, ah, you won't play that song again. Am I correct? (laughs) Is that true? We need response. Everybody goes, oh, I love that song. Will you play it again? Probably 98 times in the next two weeks. Am I correct? Because why? They responded positively to it. So who is your life? They are, and their response controls me. Am I correct? This is not a crime. It's just what happens to us. And so what God begins to do is, I'm, I'm cool with you getting a response from people, but I don't want you to eliminate what I'm saying to you while you're busy getting a response. 
But what are you saying? I don't know if you can hear me because you don't know me, so how can you hear me? Anybody married here? Most of you, some of you married? Cool. When you call home and your wife answers the phone, are you aware of what's going on at home in one millisecond or not? Can you tell by that tone? Does it doesn't take long, does it? It's a you know, it doesn't that's not genius work material right there. Hey sweetheart, okay, I'll talk to you later, you know. <laughs> because there is a part of us that is incredibly aware of what the people we love. We're aware of their sound, we're aware of how they talk, we're aware of the feeling they give you the second you contact them. And that's what God's looking for. Well, I can't do that with God. Why? Why can you not? do that with God. And why do you think that's not possible, for starters? Anybody go down that road at all? He can't meet my needs. That's my first, that's my favorite. Because I'm too ashamed to tell him what I want, which I think is a need, but it's actually what I want. Doesn't that make any sense on that? I'm, I'm really going down this road and I'm really wearing you out for a reason. <laughs> because the power that's coming will not rest on those who do not desire to know him. I know that doesn't sound like a good plan, and it doesn't sound fair. Did I mention God wasn't fair either? Did I mention that before? Not nice, and he's definitely not fair. He will always take the best, always takes the best. What does he do with the worst? I'm not sure, because he's too busy taking the best. Now, your best and my best might be different. But it better be my best, and it better be yours. Am I making sense? The farmer that showed up with 300 sheep, he can probably pick a real prize lamb out of there. The guy who has four sheep, he picks a prize lamb. Is it cooler than the guy with 300? Probably not, but it was his best one, and God went, acceptable, I'll take that one. It's who you are. It's what you have that he's willing to accept. Making sense? The sacrifice that has to come out of this place has to be fully and absolutely given to God. It cannot be given to the people anymore. It has to be given to God. The reason it's offered to God is because they need God. They don't need you. They need God too. And the more we stand in between and get them needing us, to get them needing my song, my thing, man, when I do my thing, man, they love it. I know, I know, I know they do. And that's fine for now. That's be a follower of me while I'm getting a rock crushing my head. That's what's happening. And while you are moving into that leadership place, get your head aligned because the rock is falling from the sky and will hit you squarely on the head and crush you into the shape of Christ. Now, I know in my early days of trying to walk with God, when someone would say this to me, I would say, yeah, well, I'll see you later. Correct? And it's very difficult to stay committed when my interest is in the quarter mile stats on a 57 Chevy. You know what I mean? Do you hear what I'm talking about? And so where God is going is he starts to move things. So what he did to me, because I was a stat nut, he said, look at stats in the Bible. What stats? He said, oh, <laughs> you didn't think there were any stats in the Bible? Things eat up with it. There's words in this scripture that we don't understand at all. And then we have 
believed we did. And we went on and on and on thinking, hey, man, I got it. I got it. I know what this means. And we were way the heck off. We still are way the We are still way the heck off. Can anyone explain speaking in tongues to me, please? Can someone explain the kingdom of God? Anybody? It'd be interesting, isn't it? We're trying to go there, but we don't know what it is or where it is. I think it's going to be great, I think. A streets of gold, that ought to be good. <laughs> what are we going to do, dig up a few chunks so that we can have dinner or something? Are we, what do we think we're, do we, what do we think we're seeing? I'm, I'm, I'm just wrestling with your thinking process, I hope. Um, and because what I really feel like is starting to happen, and it is happening in a lot of places, this power that's starting to pour down will only hit those who are listening. And if you call your wife and you never heard her angry on the phone, you will, you'll miss it, buddy. She could, you'll never hear what's going on. And it's right there and you know the tone. I, making, I know I'm making sense. So we know what this means. We just don't know how to walk in it yet. Does this kind of stuff interest anybody? Like study? Does anybody study? Like to do that? Anybody? You other guys? How many hate to study? Just, just in general, hate to study? Yeah, it's a hard thing to do. I, I have a form of dyslexia, so I will get words twisted around backwards a lot. And I've always was always embarrassed in school, you know, when I would when the teacher loved me and wanted me to stand up and read everything out loud so that I could get it backwards and she could yell across the room, the word is not, not was. Okay. <laughs> they was not there when I looked, <laughs> you know. And so and I've always felt like an idiot. Any anyone that stops people from studying because you feel like you're an idiot. And so you couldn't possibly know anything. So the Lord made a deal with me. He said, read the Bible, and when you see words bouncing, that means you don't understand the word. So I started to read, and the words, several words would bounce off the page, and I'm thinking, the word is bouncing on the page. And he would, he would say, look it up. Where? Well, if it's in the New Testament, it's going to be in Strong's, or it's going to be in Thayer's, or, and he would list all these things, and I saw, so I, I got these little books, I got these little study books, and I started looking, and I thought, wow, I really didn't understand that word. What else didn't I understand? Which hooked me to another word, to another thing, and then another thing. And then finally, I'm all in, whoa, that means, you know what? And then I, everybody wanted to kill me because I had, you know, that doesn't mean that at all. Of course, you tell it. Go ahead and speak that next, tomorrow in church. That doesn't mean that, you idiot. <laughs> I don't know why you preach that. And so, because the other thing that we miss out of God's word is the intent of it. That's the problem with most of us. We miss his intent. So here's what he said. Here's what's in the original. You guys know the Ancient Roots Translinear Bible? You know that guy? It's really cool. It's real rough to read, but it's really fun to see how screwed up we are. And, um, and he said, God so loved the world. World means cosmos. means the whole shebang. The tree out there. And those trees, and those all those. He likes the whole thing. We are not the only reason he gave his only son. How does anybody feel good about that? That was a shock to me. 
He goes, I guess I was led to believe he would have done it for you alone. Actually, he wouldn't have. He'd have just snapped you off the earth and took you home and said, I'm not playing with you. I'm not going to send my son to save you. But I will the whole thing. You catching that? Does that hurt your feelings? We need a little hurt feelings to get real about who this God is we're actually serving. We are not serving who we think we're serving. He's not a nice guy. He's not cool either. He's amazing. He's God. <laughs> and big and amazing. And there aren't any words. We're all fresh out of words to actually describe this master, this king. We can't get it done with this small thing. I'm making sense? And I read this wonderful scripture another time. I'm reading in Job. Don't go into Job. You want to get your brain twisted, that'll do it for you. But I got into there, and my brain got all twisted. And all of a sudden, I'm reading, and Job is all in sores. He's laying on the ground, children dead, families smashed, everything is a mess. His life is a train wreck. He's laying on the ground in the dirt because it's the only way he can get the boils on his body to feel decent. And his wife comes out. Why don't you just curse God and die? Thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> Do you see what's going? So I'm looking at this thing. So way to go, sweetheart. And, you know, give the guy the right kind of information that he really needs. So all of a sudden, I looked at it, and the Lord said, you don't understand the word curse. So I started looking it up. And sure enough, curse means to lightly esteem. Isn't that funny? So what she was saying, you're in such misery if you just stop treating God as majesty, as amazing, you will lightly esteem him and that'll kill you. It will get you dead. Isn't that interesting? Remember Isaiah speaking, Isaiah 53, anybody remember that? He, Jesus, had no stately form nor majesty that we would look upon him. He was opposed. You remember that? He was rejected. He, we did not esteem him. Do you remember that? That means we didn't credit him with credibility. Am I making any sense to you? Every one of us, in our little funny way of lightly esteeming God, yeah, God, yeah, you're good, yeah, thanks. You're cool. Planet's cool, too. Yeah, planet looks good. Yeah, fucking good. I think you're cool. If the president came in here, irregardless of what president it might be, we would be standing at absolute total attention. Yes. And then someone would have come in ahead of him and would have said, listen, when the president comes, I want everybody standing on this side and then on this side. Don't reach out unless he reaches out to you, so on and so forth. Here's the protocol to meet the president. That's called the harbinger. That's the Holy Spirit is here teaching us how to meet the father who wants to come. Don't stand around. Don't stick your finger up your nose. Make sure that, you're, you know, that your heart is good because he is the king of the universe. You don't have to talk. He knows what's in your heart. So all of a sudden, we got a Holy Spirit who's in here day after day after day, week after week, showing you how to minister to the living God. Yeah, but I don't know God. I know you don't know God. That's why there's a Holy Spirit in here teaching you how to minister to him. Am I making sense yet? We rely on that Holy Spirit and not on the relationship we're supposed to have. See that? 
And every time we rely on that relationship or on that on the Holy Spirit guiding me more than the relationship, then all we're going to get out of this is protocol concepts versus relationship that will save your life. Hmm? Pretty good? No? Bad? Making you mad yet? Feel frustrating? Feel undoable? It is undoable. Only God can do it in you. Only you can say, I need you to do this in me. That's why AA meetings start out with one thing. This is over my head. I cannot control my own life. My own life is out of control. I need you, God, to control my life. Anybody ever prayed that prayer? Anybody feel your life is out of control? I mean, it's the church, okay? People won't shoot you if you're out of control. We're mostly out of control. You know, our self-discipline, our self-control, our stuff is a mess. So as our life, as we talked about earlier, our self-discipline as musicians, can you play an instrument without disciplining yourself to learn how to play? Anyone? It requires discipline. You've got to sing. You've got to practice. You've got to stretch yourself beyond your normal. You've got to play. You hear a lick. You'd love to play. You can't get it. You play it. You do it over and over and over until you get it. Am I correct? And you got, I'm, that means you're interested in that. Do you understand that? So here's, a good, here's some good news just because I've had such bad news for a while. But, um, whenever you discipline yourself to play your instrument or sing or to do something that is of a gift that God has given you, you are actually accidentally in obedience to God because he made you to do that. And when you're doing it and you're practicing it, you're doing what he made you for, for at least those few minutes. He'll fix it later by doing everything you don't want him to do, or he doesn't, you know what I'm saying. But right at this moment, you accidentally have stumbled into his will. And you're doing something that pleases him and you. Are you hearing that? Now, there's a fine line between, because, you know, you can't give somebody carte blanche. If you've got keys to a 500-horsepower Ferrari sitting outside, you, I guarantee, even though you know how to drive, you will need lessons on that particular car that's way too fast. You will need some lessons, or it'll be wrapped around a tree. Am I correct? So even in spite of the fact you can drive right now, doesn't mean you can drive that. And the same thing is happening because we have known this much about the Lord doesn't mean that he can pour out on you until there is a greater willingness to hear from heaven. Now, it sounds like I'm busting you for something that you may not be doing. I am. I am busting you for it. <laughs> it's time to wake up. Time to get on to the next stage of what you're really here for. I look at this room, and this church almost full of musicians. Why the heck did God do that? Anybody think about that? I go to churches that are a lot bigger than this with a tenth as many musicians. Why? Hmm. Think he's up to something? He probably wants to do something, doesn't he? What do you think it might be? He's probably trying to grow his own church, isn't he? 
probably sick of us growing ours. He wants to grow his. Does anybody know how many churches are folding as I speak across this country? A thousand pastors a year are quitting. And their churches are folding right behind them. Two years, 2,000. Three years, 3,000. That's a good many, don't you think? There's only 340,000 Christian churches in this country. That's including small groups, like 10 people. That's 10 people and more considered a church. Can't afford that many of them to start folding, do you think? I think God's probably got something to say, doesn't he? He's probably doing something. He's preparing the body. That's why revival has to come to the church so that harvest can come to the world. Because drop the harvest out there without the revival here, and we got us a mess, don't we? That we're going to try to lead. That we don't know how to lead as it is, right? Because we're not following. So, anybody insulted yet? Anybody feel bad about all of this? Hmm. Too bad I've been failing at this lately, Lord. <laughs> um, I have missed the mark <laughs> somehow in my life. Um, okay. Now, and I'll, I'll make this really fast, the prophetic, which is what I was going to talk about to begin with. Um, in our, I'll give you a little brief history of the church. If you, does anybody like history at all? I like it because it really shows you what we're doing and where we're going and so on and so forth. And this is very brief and incredibly rough. But um, the church is actually about 500 years old because it really didn't start till 1517 when Martin Luther did his thesis. And prior to that, from Jesus, the time of Jesus, all the way to 1500, that's 1500 years, there was a church, but it was not a church that we, you and I would have any clue of what's going on in that church. Does that make sense? They all spoke in uh, Latin, uh, and people had no clue of what they were saying. How would like to come to church tomorrow? And we would all go, really been great being here. Um, we have no clue of what's being said. And you, the guy reads the thing and you leave and you think you've come, you've, God's not going to kill you. That's all you think because that's the end of this. And so you feel like, and so when that same person comes and said, you know, you could buy your parents out of purgatory. Really? How much would that cost? Probably the rest of your wages, the rest of your life. But just think, they won't be in purgatory. And if you're really good, you can buy yourself out of it too. It's pretty easy to talk people into things when they don't know what you're saying to begin with, and they don't really read the Word of God, because at that time, if you read the Word of God, you could be stoned, because you're too dirty to touch something as sacred as the, as the Word of God. Do you think it's a privilege at this point to even own a Bible, much less read it? This book is the most amazing historical book in history. There's never been anything written even slightly close that contains this incredible wisdom. Have you, have you heard of what's-his-face, the code guy, the Bible code guy? Have you heard of him, Chuck Missler? He discovers a code in the Bible. Isn't that funny? He's not even a believer. He's not even really a good Jew. He's Jewish. Um, he wasn't following God really much, and he accidentally finds this equation in his computer if he takes out all the spaces between words, and in Hebrew, putting it back in Hebrew, takes all the spaces and all the hyphenation out of it, 
he can ask the Bible questions about history, and it answers the question. But it has to have already happened to ask the question. Meaning you can't read the future. You can only show you that God was in every second of our history. God's in it. He types in Hitler. And it shows him Hitler. And it shows him all of the people that were with him and all of his, his generals in his army and how many Jews were killed. This is in your Bible. It's in your Bible. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? Try to write a sentence sometime in your life. Just try to figure it out. How to write a sentence to say that many things. I can barely get a sentence to say what I think I want to say, much less a hidden message in it. You know, the hidden message is, I don't know, it's in there, I think. You know, if you reverse all the words and then cut half of them in half and then add sevens to every third word, I think you got something. You know, it's like, it's not that kind of code. It is so deeply embedded in the, in the system of God that it is so far beyond anything you can imagine. We have the privilege of reading that anytime you want to. Anytime you want to, this thing will unlock stuff you have never understood. In 10 billion years, you won't understand what this guy wrote. And how this came to pass. And he gave it in the hands of men. He let people write the thing. I couldn't believe it. Are you crazy? You let a man write this? All I told him every word to write. I guess that's about the way we'd have to have it. Do you see that? Am I, am I making any sense to you about that kind of stuff? New Testament is full of stuff like that too. Hmm. At any rate. Okay. Wilderness, standing out in the wilderness, the Jews, tabernacle is out in the wilderness. They're in there 40 years. They give the exact amount of tribes that have to be to the north of the tent, and they give you specific instructions, and they say you can only be due north, you can only be due south, due west, due west, and due east. The numbers of the tribes, if you number them and mark down their little tents, da -da -da -da, and you make them due north, due south, due east, it makes up a cross in the desert. So if you were flying over the desert in that time, you'd see a cross with a tabernacle in the middle. You know what that is? That's heaven. That's what's in heaven. There's a tabernacle in heaven. What kind of weird God is that that would do something like that? I think he's worth the look. Do you know what I mean? All right. Have I made any sense in this last couple seconds? All right. The prophetic um, was supposed to be, after we get to the church history, 1,500 years later, um, the first thing Martin Luther started, a church called the Protestant Church, which means protest. The word is protest. He started the protest church, which is the protest against the Catholic regime. The word universal, the church used to be called universal, which is what the word Catholic means. Worship in any way you want to. Um, and that's what they did, and they did that on purpose. It is in 120. And by 303 um, A.D. after Christ, uh, they stopped, finally stopped murdering Christians in the Colosseum. And so what they did is said, listen, we're going to make a rule that everybody can worship any way you feel like. This is Jerusalem. Be reminded. We're still talking about Rome, Jerusalem, hot spots in the world. Understand what I mean? Rome is running the church, the Christian church at this point in time. 
and everybody has to comply. Well, governments discovered, hey, man, if you keep people on a guilt trip, you can make one heck of a lot of money. So governments began to adopt the concept that churches used to control people. Anybody ever felt controlled? I mean, our government has a perfectly, we all know how to do it. I mean, it's perfectly good. Uh, we do it with each other. I want to control how you think of me. I want to control how you think of the pastor. I want to control what? I don't know what I want to control, but we're all very good at it. And the musicians are especially good at it. So know that it's a part of who we are. We like to control things, people, ideas, that kind of stuff. Long story short, he gets through this Catholic thing into the protest church. From there, believe it or not, um, we began to... God began to pour out more revelation. Uh, Martin Luther, who is classified as a hero, basically in Scripture, because he broke out. He was totally ostracized from the church. They wanted to kill him. They excommunicated him, so on and so forth. And he decides, with this new revelation, I'm going to go to the Jews. And I'm going to tell them all about Jesus. They're just going to fall on their knees and say, boy, have we been waiting for you. So he goes to the Jews, and they strongly reject him and throw, basically throw him out, if you will. Uh, and he goes back and writes the next part of his writings is how all the Jews need to die. And as a result of it, Hitler picks that up 500 years later or 300, however many years later, and he uses that as his criteria for getting rid of the Jews. Do you see, them as, see what's going on in this thing? See how we are? In, in, in any rate, after, Martin, after Luther and the Lutheran church had begun, uh, I believe it's Baptist. I think Wade Taylor tells it a lot better than I do. He comes, let me see. The teacher gift was, was restored by Martin Luther, 1517. Um, then the pastor gift, which is the Baptist who believe in the 1600s that the word of grace would be communicated in developed fellowship. So the Baptists were next, 1600. We still don't have a Bible. The Germans do now because the Bible's been translated from Hebrew to Aramaic to German. And 1638 is when we get an English translation of the Bible. Does that make sense? Um, do you think there was any changes in the translation? There were numerous changes. Uh, anybody know what I'm talking about? And if you look, if you want to look in there, you'll see them. Frequently, they're just in parentheses. This is not in the original manuscript. You'll see it. They'll add things to it. Or this, these next scripture were not in the original manuscript. That means the translators thought it was important to add that for whatever their reasons. So look at that with a grain of salt and, and see if you can figure it out. The next thing by the, here it is, evangelism was in the 1700s through the 1800s, and that was the Wesley brothers. Do you remember those guys? Saying life in Christ should have visible evidence of commitment. Isn't that a unique thing? Life in Christ should have visible evidence of commitment. You know, one of the many, 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 many meanings of the word righteousness is the obvious effect of the Holy Spirit in someone's life. If I can see the Holy Spirit affecting your life, probably you're walking in righteousness. That, anyway, 
Then, by 1901, we're talking 1901 years since Christ was here, baptism in the Holy Spirit came. And those who uh, believed in order to communicate the gospel were needed to, needed to be spirit power for this purpose. Making sense? So evangelism, this is what the Moravians, we live in Moravian Falls up the hill. What the Moravians understood is that we're going to evangelize, but we need power to evangelize. Do you understand that? So if I tell you, man, I'll tell you, man, that's a cool acoustic guitar. So I can tell you that all day long, but you guitar players are going to have to get your hands on that to understand what I'm talking about. But my witness is true because I played it. So my witness is real. But if I just looked at it and said, nice, nice inlay stuff, man, that's cool. Um, if that's all I know about it, my witness is not complete. Do you understand that? I've not touched it. So we're trying to witness of a Christ we haven't touched, nor have we seen. So we're talking from our wisdom, our intellect. That's not touching anybody. How about you guys? Has it touched you yet? Do you understand that? Until Christ is like vibrating your, your molars out, you're probably not having an experience that would last a lifetime. And it's pretty easy to forget. The disciples watched Jesus feed 5,000 people. How long would it take you to forget that incident? Maybe a lifetime? I mean, what do you I mean? You could probably talk about that for a lot. I saw this guy, man, five, there are two fish and five loaves. That's it, man. He's got 5,000 people fat out there and 12 baskets left over. Are you joking? That was the most amazing. Within two weeks, they had forgotten it when Jesus said to the 4,000, I want to feed these guys. And the disciples said, How are we going to do that? Hello, they're off in the wind somewhere, just like us. I'm with you. You know, pretty much. I'm with you on this one here. At any rate. Then we came to the supernatural gifts. They were restored during the latter rain visitation. The next move should be the restoration of what Wade Taylor calls the apostolic authority with consequence. That's Ananias and Sapphira. That's apostolic, means sent by God, and there's consequences if you don't do what God is saying or what you promised. Keyword. Ananias and Sapphira, do you know the story? Do you know that story? They didn't die because they cheated. They died because they lied. They lied to God. That's the New Testament. Christ is already risen at that point. That's, we can't throw that back there in the Old Testament. Well, that's the old people. That doesn't happen now. I, I would I'd suggest you don't make any promises to God you're not willing to keep. Because lying to him is, turns out to be a really bad idea. Baptism of fire. Is that funny or not? Baptism of fire is what we're, um, we're facing now. And in, the, in, the, in this country, between the, eight, the years of 19, around 30, 1930 to 1960, we had miracle people on this in the planet. I told you about this before, I think. If I haven't, forgive me. Um, John G. Lake, familiar with these names? Uh, William Branham, A.J. To Tozier. Um, 
Catherine Kuhlman, Smith Wigglesworth. Anybody heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Watch people's feet grow back where they had no feet, born without it. Punched a woman in the stomach and cancer fell out on the floor. Um, kicked a baby until it came back to life. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, William Branham is asleep on the stage because thousands of people are in line. This woman is in a bed, a rolling bed, or her son is rolling her. She's dying. Says to her son, if I die before you get up there, just keep pushing me up there. She dies. William Branham is asleep on the stage for a couple of hours, and he's standing there with a dead mother in a bed. You think there's any faith involved with this? And he pushes her up in front of it. William Branham finally wakes up and lays hands on her, and she comes back. That's some pretty good horsepower in this in the United States. We're not talking about South Africa now, boys. We're talking about America. In our nation, this kind of miracle stuff was happening. Not only was it happening, it was happening with lots of people at the same time. We have nothing like it today at that measure, at that level. I'm not saying we don't have miracles. We just don't have that kind where it's the, all those people. John G. Lake, stunning, stunning, stunning miracles. William Branham, stunning. Smith Wigglesworth, stunning. Catherine Kuhlman, all of those stunning just drop you on the floor kind of miracles. Now, does that make anybody happy to think, hey, man, miracles, that's great. What was God doing? Question number 64B is, what are you doing, God, and why are you doing that? Because by the 50s, that began to trail off. By the 60s, it was pretty gone. We were offered what is called the baptism of fire, meaning to cleanse those who have been walking in the power of God. Bring them to a place that your words have power. By the year 2000, when the charismatic movement died, of which it did, then the credibility of the prophetic voice would have been speaking to governments every single day. But instead, we started to fall. We rejected the baptism of fire, and leaders began to fall. Do we know of any leaders that have fell, fallen? And pretty much for similar reasons, almost every one of them. Causing the church to look like a bunch of idiots and how you don't have any credibility because you don't even do what you say, correct? So do you think God would like to rekindle the baptism of fire? Yes. Do you think he's changed his mind? I doubt it. Never has yet. And so what he's really up to is baptism of fire is the coming, whether we want it or not. And what's happening here is I want to just open this up as best I can to you, but I'm going to say this to you musicians, and I hope that I'm saying this in the best way. The power of the prophetic is about to really begin to speak. I mean really begin to speak. But he won't, I said this again, he will not speak to uncommitted lives that are not willing to take a couple of extra steps to get closer to God. Just a suggestion. Every morning irregardless of what time you get up, do five minutes. Okay, that's painful, that's painful. Five minutes, try it. Pencil in your hand and say, do you want to talk to me, God? And your brain will go off to Iowa somewhere, 
And it'll start thinking about something stupid like the transmission on your car, or it'll start thinking about how my computer isn't working. I lost every stupid pro, you know, game that I played last night. I can't believe it. And I can't get on the internet. Write it down. Just write that stupid stuff down until you stop writing stupid stuff and start writing what God says. You will. Trust me. <coughs> write what's going on in your mind. And all that'll do is give you, it'll show you what's going on in your mind. It'll reveal, I'm not listening to God. I'm worried about my internet connection. Do you understand what I mean? I'm there. I know what I'm talking about. I'm struggled with that whole song. Is there a song going on? 24-7 there's a song going on in here. I'd like to play it. Well, I... So now, I've been doing this for the last... I won't read you the things he says because that is rough. Um, last 24... Five years, I have waited every single morning for God to tell me something. And I'd say 75, maybe 80% of the time, he says something. Most of the time, it was scare the teeth right out of me because he's talking to me. And now, he, I don't even have to get into a big deal. I just sit down with my little thing and my pen. He knows. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for you to talk to me. I want to hear from you. So we got a deal. I go up to a building up on the mountain, and I play, sing, talk to him. And when I'm down there in front of my desk and my pencil and paper, he talks to me. He doesn't answer anything up there, and I don't ask anything except, what do you want to say down here? I ask all my questions there, and he answers them all down here. Isn't that funny? And here's the deal. Here's what this really means. Would anybody enjoy having permanent provision in your life? Would anybody like that? That'd be kind of fun, wouldn't it? Where you just not sweat every minute. You just you had some permanent provision in your life. If you decide you want to do that and you want to make a vow to wait on God and listen to him, he'll provide for the rest of your life. Seem possible? Happens all of the time. Yeah, but not my life. Okay, then not yours. That's really your choice, and that's the problem with free choice. That's its only real issue is that, because you can choose not to listen. So I'm saying that to you all, and I'm hoping I was going to be very encouraging. I had lots of encouraging things I was going to say. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, awaken. Awaken in your lives. I'm not talking about waking playing music. You can probably play great. But awaken in your lives of Christ. Awaken for the power of God wants to land on this planet, land in this house, and land on your life. But he's a very responsible God. He will not hand you the keys to that much power without some lessons on how to drive it. And he won't give him until he knows you're ready to do it. And what happens is that one, two, three, four, get ready, and the rest get dragged in by the one, two, or three that are ready. Is that making sense? That's not working right now. The Lord needs us all in. It's an all-in gig. Okay? Is this real insulting? Semi, maybe. Well, God, God will scold me later. I, I must have missed the mark. But the, um, the premise of our time will never stop until the power of God is manifested upon this planet 
and the king is in his place to rule and reign. Do you remember this scripture? Rule and reign. Christ will rule and reign with a rod of iron. What's a rod of iron? You think it's a sheep staff? I don't think so. They're made out of wood. They're not made out of iron. And to lug a, a sheep staff around that's made out of iron is impractical. And you can't rule with it. He's not talking about rods of iron like we think of a rod of iron. There's something is coming that's really powerful, and we need to awaken to be behind, not in front of this living God. The difference between the army of God is we get behind the leader who is Christ. The difference in human armies is the leaders stay in the back and they feed the low guys right into the flame. That is not how our Lord leads. Our Lord leads. We've got to come behind him and stop trying to take the devil down by ourselves. Let him do this. I only have seven more hours with which I need to chew on you guys. But There's great things in here. I see lots of good things. I see lots of giftings in some of you guys that are thinking I'm crazy. And you're correct. I am. I am. That is true. You are absolutely right on. But I hope I'm not the last crazy person that you meet. And I hope I'm not the last one that steps on your toes, that tells you, awaken, awaken, get involved with God, deeply, deeply, deeply involved with God until Jesus Christ is an obnoxious statement coming out of your mouth. Then you can back off. But until you're, un until you're unable to stop crying out God's name and stop crying out to Christ Jesus, the life that he's given you, you are just treading water. And this is coming to the church. It's coming to the church, but it's coming here first. And you can like it or you can lump it, but it's coming. And it is commitment time. Okay. After all of that, I'd like to just bless you <laughs> so that you can feel good about yourselves, about how bad you feel about yourselves about how good you can feel about yourself for feeling bad about yourself. It's not a sin to be convicted. It is a sin to be condemned. You're not, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to say, I think the Holy Spirit would like to talk to you on a much more personal basis about the things that you're struggling with because he's very, very good at dealing with struggles. Very good, very good. Bless you in the name of our, our Master and our Lord. Amen. So um, in January at our staff retreat, that same word was given to the staff. Brandon Sharp opened staff retreat with that same word. Are we going to be willing to deal with our junk? Are we going to be willing? Do we want to be willing to press in? Because the further we get into this thing, the more stuff he's going to bring out. So there's no coincidence that that's the word.
as well as the word that he spoke three years ago. My name is Elroy. I am the God who sees. I know where you've been. I know where you are. And I know where I'm taking you. Consider your ways. Obedience is pleasing to me. Do you hear it? Do you hear the voice of the one that loves you most? May our hearts be open to loving him, that voice being the one that we love the most, even when it comes in correction. Because he sees you, he sees the intent of your heart, and he sees where you're going. Obedience is pleasing. And I don't believe that these words from the Lord are time-stamped. This is a word that you write on your heart. We're recording this, right? It'll be on planning center. It is something that you need to listen to frequently. It is a word for you. It is a word for me. It is a word for us. So, Lord, there's a yes in our hearts, and may it carry through eternity. We say yes. May we be that living sacrifice daily. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We cherish it. We cherish it. Amen. I wanted to, uh, to pray something for us, if it's okay. Um, <clears throat> sometimes we have things that are attached to us because of places we've been and all sorts of stuff. And uh, I have a, an incredibly amazing prayer that you're absolutely going to love. And I would lo- I'd like to pray. It's a prayer to close. It's a dis- I call it a disconnect prayer or a prayer to close dimensional doors. And um, it really will help you. Helps me. And um, so I'm going to pray it for us. Is that okay? It won't take a minute. But in light of the cleansing that's happening and preparation, um, this will help. Because sometimes we're stuck and we want to change, but we can't change. And um, so there is a lot of imprinting. And uh, we get, you know, spirit, we get soul ties. We get spirit ties. We get all sorts of ties. And we really need to know take those times to be intentional about disconnecting. So I'm going to pray for us, okay? So Father God, 
I want to ask you now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to separate us, to separate our spirit, souls, and bodies, as well as our minds, wills, and emotions from the connection to and influence of all people, places, things, or occurrences in time that have influenced us and our identity since conception. This includes belief systems and mindsets, ideals, concepts, and philosophies, ungodly pathways and structures of living, thinking, processing, and reacting, all imprinting, patterns, habits, compulsions, obsessions, addictions, lusts, mammon, fantasy, traditions and doctrines of men, and social and religious systems, as well as all interjects and programming. We disconnect from all ungodly ties that have been made through dedications, pledges, contracts, agreements, or vows, all obligation to performance, perfectionism, legalism, opinion, critical and negative thinking, debate, judgmentalism, control, as well as the false piety called niceness. We renounce all ungodly ties to family, friends, pets, foods, books, internet, as well as sexual partners, physical and emotional and spiritual abusers, leaders, including parents, teachers, child care or babysitters, employers or spiritual leaders, classmates, fellow workers, medical, governmental, law enforcement, or even military personnel. We disconnect from celebrities, musicians, music, media, games, chat rooms, social media relationships, as well as ungodly impartations through sound or visual imagery, including pornography in all forms. We renounce all ungodly ties to New Age or occultic practices, leaders, humanism, yoga, martial arts, astrology, psychics, and secret societies for ourselves, as well as our family line, of course. We disconnect from all land, buildings, and trauma bonds associated with accidents, procedures, or ceremonies as well as trauma bonds to occurrences in time and people. We now ask that these connections, which were created and opened between us and all people, places, things, and occurrences, would now be closed, all doors locked, and all negative effects canceled. We ask that all parts of us that were taken into any other spiritual or imagination realms or dimensions would now be returned to us, cleansed by the blood of Jesus, realigned and reconsecrated so that we can be the one person, spirit, soul, and body that you, Father, created us to be with nothing added or removed outside of your intention. We also receive back all spiritual and legal rights to our God-created image and our individual unique voice prints. We claim and receive the restoration 
of all intellectual, financial, creative, and spiritual properties and patents that have resulted from originality that was given by the creator to us or our family line with clear titles, no infringements remaining, and all accrued interest. We now release and send all parts of any other person, spirit, soul, body, or belief systems that have connected to us back to where they came from. We sever all attachments to people, places, things, beliefs, and declare that no permanent connection can remain outside of the will of God. We receive the cleansing of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ over all the elements and aspects of our being. We apply the work of his cross as a seal over all the doors and windows connected to our lives. We ask that all keys of authority and permission pertaining to our lives and personhood would now be returned to the care and authority of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that no weapon formed against us can prosper as we commit to walk in the pathways of your leading for our lives. Lord, we thank you for cleansing us and all of our interactions with people, places, things, and time of all defilements received and for canceling future assignments of the enemy in our lives and those that we've been in relationship with. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to keep us now under the grace of the blood's redemptive power so the enemy cannot have a place to hinder our callings and our destinies as we continue to do your will. Amen. It's always good when the potters are in the house. It's always good. Don comes in, makes a mess, and Christine comes to clean it up. <laughs> Somehow I can relate with that, brother. <laughs> well, I love all of you guys dearly. Every one of you mean so much to me. And I wouldn't want to do this without you. So thank you. Thank you so very much. And we're going to be better this time next year than we were now, than we are now. And I'm, yes, musically, we're going to know Jesus more this time next year than we do now. And I expect that to happen as long as we live. Cool? Love you guys. We'll see you in the morning. Yeah, I'll take care of that.